Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. Today we have a special guest, uh, Mark Immelman. Mark, there's uh, so many places where you're... Uh, talents are being used. I don't even know where to start. You've got you've you've got a podcast. You're a teacher. You're you're broadcasting. What what is what is the thing that dominates most of your time these days? Well, just trying to keep up with you, Carl. I guess is the first thing that's <laughs> dominating my time. Come on, man. Love to read your stuff. Love to watch your work on HQ. And and for me, I guess right now between you know college coaching, which is on a hiatus now with the summertime. Yeah. The main thing is the broadcast stuff for CBS Sports, which is lots of fun. And then, of course, the HQ hits. So I'm loving being on this side of the thing where I don't have to answer to some player if he's not playing that well. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a big deal, that. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's been fun. You know, I, I think that, you know, it's fun to give people kind of a glimpse of, of behind the scenes a little bit. Before we get into uh, the tournament this week, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, I, I, I want to hear from you a little bit just – in terms of your preparation, because you know we, we, you and I are kind of going back and forth on topics today, but just in terms of an event in general, whether you're doing PGA Tour Live or CBS Sports or, or whatever the things that you're doing, how do you prep for an event? What are you looking at? What are the things you're looking for going into a tournament? Well, there's a number of things I'm looking for. I guess the, the first thing I will look at is the golf course, because it's the canvas where the guys get to show off their skills. And Oftentimes, the golf course and the setup will define like who's going to play well. So yeah. I'll pay attention to that. I'll pay attention to what the weather's likely to be. Then you look at the storylines. And between CBS and between the PGA Tour, there's so much information at hand. So I'll go through those things. I'll go through the big storylines. And then I'll read guys like your stuff, you know, see watch social media a little bit, see what the players are having to say. And then when I get to the golf course and the event, it's just catching up with a few guys and trying to get the inside, you know, the skinny stuff that you wouldn't necessarily fly, find in some info documents. So that's the big deal. But oftentimes for me, it's just bearing in mind because I really believe that sport and the PGA Tour is a real, you know, who's got the mojo going on kind of thing. You know, it's yeah. a momentum-driven place. And so I'll watch trends and I'll see what players are doing. And then that'll sort of help me to make my analytical call, if you if you will, from there. When you're trying to do that, when you're trying to get the skinny on guys, do you get more information from the player themselves or from the people around them, their coach, their trainer, their caddy, th- those kinds of people? Which one do you is a more consistent source of information for you? You know what? I would say that the, the folks around the players are um, they not the best source of information, but they're the most candid source for information. Like if I speak to a player, he'll be like, you know, I've been working on a few things. <laughs> and that's like their stock answer. And then, then I'll go to the coach and the coach will tell me sort of a bit more in depth because I have a relationship with the coaches being a teacher myself. And then yeah. the caddy is always good places for information, but they're naturally guarded too because they've got to be, be cognizant of 
of their relationship and their job. So that's a little bit of everything. Um, some players are more forthright and more candid than others, as you know. And so I'll go everywhere and, and you know, sometimes family members, whoever. But I, I certainly don't I don't double down, if you will. Like when a player is on the, on the range preparing or on the, uh, the golf course in a pro-am or a practice round, I'll just ease along there. And I don't, I'm not the guy who shows up with a microphone. You know, if I get engaged with a player, then I'll go over. Or if they come to me, I'll ask. But I'm not too bombastic, I guess, with my approach to them because cause really it's in their office and, and we've got to be aware of that sort of stuff because they've got a job to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, speaking of having a job to do, we've got uh, the favorite coming into the tournament this week, Dustin Johnson, 6-1 to one to win uh, at Detroit Golf Club, returned to Michigan for the first time in uh, 10 years. It's been since Tiger Woods won the Buick Open back in 2009. Uh that that we have that we have seen the PGA Tour in Michigan. So I, I wanted to start with DJ. Do you think that his season uh, up to this point has been a success or, or not? And, and and kind of just your reasoning behind that. Well, look, I, I'll start, Kyle, with the fact I really believe it's hard to win on the PGA Tour. And so for Dustin Johnson, who had an emphatic victory down at the World Golf Championships, Mexico Championship. I'm inclined to go, look, success already. Now, for someone as good as him, oh, let, let's add to that, say, wins down in Mexico at a canter. I mean, he outplayed all in sundry down there. Then he finished the second at the PGA Championship. You and I were there. He's chasing down Brooks nearly. Finishes tied for second at the Masters. So, for me, one win, two runners up in two very big events, it's a successful season. But then you look at Dustin Johnson and the cache of weapons that he has. You know, we expect guys like this to win multiple times but you know I would say the season is a success if you had to ask him he'll probably say he was a bit disappointed but all that being said it's still a big season and there are lots of big um, tournaments and the playoffs and the sort of stuff ahead and so I feel like for DJ you know a big finish there at the open perhaps and then he cruises through the playoffs he could still conceivably you know nip the player of the year thing I know it'll be tough with Brooks but right now I would say it's been a good season so far I'm uh, I'm guessing he would say it was a little substandard, but as far as I'm concerned, being a coach of a player, it's, he's played really well this season so far. Yeah, I, I agree. He's got seven top tens, uh, like you said, one win, two runners up, and and not only all that, but if you look a little closer at it, he is uh, second on the PGA Tour in strokes gain right now. He mm-hmm. is gaining 2.27 strokes per round. That's his second best output. If the season ended today, it would be his second best output uh, of his career for, for, a, for a total season. And I think we, we just, we do this thing where if guys don't win a major or they're not winning mm-hmm. like he did three or four times in a year. And so much of that is just luck or I don't know. Randomness is probably the wrong word, but there, there's just so much luck involved in that. And, and I hate that we, I hate that the chasm between a good season and like an average season is uh, the same as the chasm between first and second place in a tournament because it's not mm. – I just don't feel like it's indicative of how well you're hitting the ball and how well you're playing. Do you agree with that? Oh, I'm with you so much. And, and you referenced the strokes gain number, which is a big deal in the way the players kind of compare, compare themselves. You look at Dustin across the board. Um, he's third strokes gain off the tee. He's 15th strokes gain in approach. He's 46th scrambling, strokes gain around the green. He's 27th putting. And so everything is there. And, yeah. and to your point, and it gets back to how it's so hard to win, you can play awesome. I mean, I always 
share this anecdote with um, young aspirant professionals when they come work with me or collegiate players, whatever the case might be, my first question will be like, okay, let's say you're a sprinter and you run your personal best in the Olympics. You break your personal best, but someone clips you by a hundredth of a second. Were you successful or weren't you? Right. As far as I'm concerned, you're successful, but someone happened to beat you on the day and, and, and your, your, your description of you know measuring folks by majors, it's difficult, man. They're only four a year. And guys come in and playing their best. You know some really hard golf courses. You get one bad bounce, or you get one bad. In DJ's case, you know one bad step down a a, a flight of stairs at your rental house, and <laughs> that event doesn't happen. So, yeah. What? <laughs> so I'm completely with you, man. It, it it it's hard because so I've been doing this. This is only my seventh season covering the PJ Tour. You've obviously been doing it longer but I, I have felt even in that short amount of time that I've been doing it that the sort of the the importance that we place on majors has it, like it's increased in in that mm-hmm. last seven years have you felt that in your time covering golf and and with it have you also felt maybe the importance of um regular like non-majors decreasing a little bit do you see that like what what's your take on all that well my take is you know golf broadcast went to an entirely different dimension when Tiger Woods came along. Look, we all know that. Before then, you know, back when I was a kid, we had the big three. Maybe I'm dating myself age-wise, folks. I'm bordering on 49. (laughs) Um, So so I've been around. I've seen that generation. I've seen the generation of the Ernie Els, Vijay Singh, um, Greg Norman, Nick Faldo sort of time. Then Tiger comes along and everything's doubled down. So there's more coverage. And what Tiger does, he compares himself to Jack Nicklaus. Nicholas said, well, I define myself by major championships as Tiger did. And as soon as he did that, the f- emphasis by the media on the majors became greater. Yeah. Now, for any PGA Tour professional, let me tell you something. Ches Revy last week was the happiest guy in the world, okay, yeah. after winning the yeah. Travelers Championship. So I think because of Tiger, there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on. But that being said, um, you know, the major championships, they are major for a reason. I'll add the players to that, and I'm sure I'll take a lot of Twitter grief for this sort of thing. But they are big events, the World Golf Championships events, the player, the, the major championships, the big-time players gear towards those. And so as a result, they have the necessary attention. But I think really to your question, yes, perhaps they are a little bit more highlighted than what they were in, back in the day. Yeah, I think I think for me it's less like I I think the majors are they're to me they're properly rated like they're they're a huge deal they're a big deal they're played on great courses with unbelievable fields. I think one of the problems is that we sort of underrate and you mentioned this but we underrate tournaments like the Players even like the Memorial um, mm-hmm. Riviera the, these tournaments that are like man this is it's not just a, a, a normal PGA Tour event. It's got a great field. It's at a great locale. It's at a great course. I think I think it's less about us overrating the majors and more about us kind of underrating those uh, really good kind of, um, uh, you know, I, I would call them like second or third tier events. Yeah, absolutely. We'll add to that uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational down yeah. at Bay Hill. I mean, that thing's been around for ages. Yeah. The Crosby Clambake, you know, back in the day, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. There are so many good events on the PGA Tour. And you've seen it with your schedule this season. Um, I certainly have. You know, now with this new schedule that's condensed, it feels like week in and week out, we are at great golf courses, really good fields. Yeah. Now with the advent of the Wyndham Rewards, the championship, 
now there's more money for guys to play up play at to show up at a great course uh, at the end of the regular season in Sedgefield and so <laughs> it's coming thick and fast and I think the folks that are gaining from this are obviously the players but the fans too because they're just good events week in and week out yeah for sure uh, okay let's talk Gary Woodland uh, he's obviously coming off the US Open win this will be his first uh, his first appearance since winning at Pebble and I'm just curious you know guys like him it, it's interesting he's 35 years old He he is somebody like a I don't know, maybe like a Jimmy Walker who they get to, and even like Matt Kuchar, they get to this later point in their career and you're like, Oh, this guy is like really good, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and it's almost like a, it's a very linear trajectory uh, for somebody like Gary Woodland where we, we, we don't love that storyline. We love the hot out of the gate, Justin Thomas, Jordan Smith, yeah. Rory McIlroy, but the linear trajectory is more, it's more common, and I think it's more sustainable. And I, I'm curious if you see that continuing for Gary Woodland. Oh, I, I absolutely would. You can't deny the physical talents of the guy. And for me, you know, I always view a player from a really holistic sense. You know, I believe that good golf happens at the intersection of, you know, emotional balance, mental balance, um, a good sort of overall equilibrium. Obviously, the physical traits have got to be there on the week. And so for Woodland, you know, he's come through it hard. He's battled injury. He's served his apprenticeship. We know he's vastly skilled physically. And then, you know, when you have an event like he did whenever it was two seasons ago, wherever, where you lose a child, you know, this this sort of stuff grounds one. And I think it puts golf and that sort of thing into perspective. Because when you're competing at this high level, it can get all-encompassing to me. So for Woodland... I completely expect him to do continue to do what he's doing. I think he's got a fantastic group of folks around him in, you know, Pete Cowan, definitely, in, in Phil Kenyon. I think he's ca- caddy Brennan Little doesn't get enough credit at all because Brennan is an expert. And so Gary, he's, he's galvanized, he's well-surrounded, he's got all sorts of physical gifts. And now that handbrake, you know, that handbrake of I haven't won the big one, yeah. you know, that's been lowered some. So now... To me, it's almost like you play with house money. Now, that can go two ways because I've seen guys who win one major championship that then feel like they need to live up to this moniker that sort of tightens them up. But I think Gary's got it all worked out, man. I, I do feel like, Carl, that he just continues to go in the same direction. Yeah, I kind of do too. I think for me with him, it's all about what are you doing around the greens and what are you doing with your putter mm-hmm. in a given week. And I think I think it's so, it's, it's so interesting to – because I think we forget about guys like that. I mean, he's an, his ball striking T to green. He's unbelievable. Like he's a, I would call him a top 12, top 15 guy in the world mm-hmm. from T to green. And then when you have a week, like you did at the U S open where you're kind of feeling it with the putter. I mean, the chip he had on, on 17 on Sunday was a joke. like, that <laughs> was, that, that was unbelievable. And so mm-hmm. if you, it, it, it's all about just finding that, that hot week and you're going to, you're going to be right there, you know? And so uh, I, you know, as long as he improves or as long as he keeps improving around the greens and with his putter, I, I think that he will, can win several more times and, and maybe contend for some for some more major championships. Well, absolutely. Well, the thing about golf for me is it's the ultimate game of probability. In every round, you have um, a number of opportunities. And for someone who's a greens and regulation machine like a Woodland, yeah. he's going to get a lot of opportunities. So, you know, He's a green and regulation sort of guy, so he's going to give himself 14, 15 looks every day, of which I would say probably a third of those will be really good. 
So he doesn't have to putt that well to compete. It's sort of like a McElroy. Yeah. And you're right. If he putts well, he's going to clean the house. And with <laughs> someone like Phil, Ke- with someone like Phil Kenyon around, I, I'm, he's, he's understood what he's going to do with a putter. He understands what's important for him to putt well on a day. Um, he's clearly got the greens reading thing figured out now too, because contact with the putter is good, so he can measure speed well. And so, you know, I, I think he'll continue to get lots of looks, and he'll make his share of putts. And and on good golf courses where there's a real premium on ball striking, I feel like he'll show up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does this week at uh, Detroit Golf Club. And speaking of Detroit Golf Club, um, this is a course. I want to get your thoughts on it a little bit. It was started, uh, this club was started in 1899, which is crazy. Cool. And it, and mm-hmm. it's actually, it's a Donald Ross design. Donald Ross came in in, I believe, the 19 teens, around 1920, and, and, and designed 36 holes. It hosted the uh, 1992 U.S. Mid Am there, uh, which mm-hmm. was uh, kind of the, one of the one bigger things. One by Danny Yates, man. Look, the, you, you want a ball striker's place? Danny Yates hits the center of the club face as regularly as anyone in the game. So you've got to be able to strike it around here. How about you going deep on the 1992 U.S. Mid-Am? That's impressive. <laughs> do, you know, do you know who I, is I, the, uh, no. the runner-up? <laughs> Stop. No, I don't. I know that Yates won. Obviously, he's, he's a well-respected guy here in Georgia where I live. Um, friend, he's son of Charlie Yates, who was best friends with Bob Jones and you know me, I hold Bob Jones in biblical esteem. For me, it's like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Bobby Jones is the fifth <laughs> gospel. And so and so, I have a big respect for Mr. Yates and what they do there at Eastlake and all that sort of stuff. So now I was familiar with when he won the Mid-Am, and so that's why I know that. So uh, David Lind was the runner-up. Do you know Do you know who that is? Um, husband to Mrs. Lind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, with so- respect to David. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's the last time there was a, or, or that's the kind of the big event that they've had at Detroit Golf Club. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just curious about just your thoughts on, uh, first of all, going back to Michigan for the first time in a long time. It's got a really, you know, I saw this on uh, Jeff Shackelford's website. It's got a really good, Michigan as a state has a really good history of having big events and having major championships and having Ryder Cups and, and different things like that. So just your thoughts on going back to Michigan and also uh, just on this uh, Donald Ross course and how you think it's going to play. Well, first off, the Donald Ross course. Um, a Donald Ross design is always going to challenge a player from challenge every facet of their game. You've ordinarily got to drive the ball accurately because – the greens are perched up, and so playing to those style small greens, like a pebble, for argument's sake, where Woodland wins, you can't afford to play out of the rough. There's just no respite from that. Now, the forecast is to get a bit of rain, which should soften the place, which makes it play easier. But if it's firm, it puts a premium on putting the ball in play. Um, you have to strike the irons well, and you have to be creative around the greens. You know, the bump and run shot to me is brought back now. I haven't been, but I've heard that the reports are that there's some thick rough around the greens. So yeah. you're going to have to bring all sorts of um, skill around the greens as well. So it's the it's the overall test, uh, any Donald Ross place. Um, in terms of going back to Detroit, the first PGA Tour event that I ever went to was the Buick Open at Warwick Hills, which was just one of the best events I feel like ever. The crowd showed up en masse. In fact, this week... Reports are that the ticket sales have they've broken the ticket sales record, or they had to print more tickets because the folks are just so excited about this event coming back to the northern part of Detroit. So 
back in the day, the Buick was awesome. You know, you had great players showing up. Tiger Woods, you know, made a few runs over there. I think won three times. BJ Singh won over there. And so golf back in Detroit is awesome. Golf back in Michigan. Hey, just down the road is uh, Oakland Hills, where they've had a PGA Championship won by um, Patrick Harrington, I believe, won a playoff for Sergio or knocked off Sergio on the last hole. And then, of course, the Ryder Cup there where um, Hal Sutton was the captain. And the, and, and the Euros kind of went crazy on the Americans. So so it's it's a great fan base. It's a cool city. I'm glad it's back. Uh, Rocket, I mean, Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage. I mean, what is what what, what a visionary move by them to bring golf back to um, Michigan and Detroit. So I'm just jacked about the week, and I hope it turns out well for everyone. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about it as well. I think there's uh, some really fun storylines going in. Obviously, you got some big names with with DJ and and Fowler and Woodland and Hideki and and some of those guys. Um, but yeah, I have a uh, I've got a question of the day for you. But first, mm-hmm. we're gonna hear we're gonna we're gonna go in here uh, from our sponsor. We're gonna take a break, and then we'll come back with my question of the day. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Okay, Mark, question of the day. Who on the PGA Tour uh, do you think is having the most underrated season of anyone? And I think there, there, there are a number of different ways to look at this, and I'm, I'm just curious about who has kind of stood out to you that is maybe not getting um, – you know, maybe not getting their due, maybe not getting the attention they deserve for what they've been doing on the PGA Tour in, in 2019. Okay, I have the answer to your question or my idea, but I want to mention an, an honorable mention first. I, I mean, I've, you've got to give love to Matt Kuchar. Yeah. Uh, two wins this season. He's at eight top tens, and this is a renaissance sort of a move because he didn't make the Tour Championship last year. Right. And and ordinarily, Kuch is a top 30 machine. He always shows up at Eastlake, so... I must give props to Matt Kuchar. I think he's put together a fantastic season. But but the most underrated, 
hey man, Xander Shoffley, this guy, mm, I love it. he shows up week in and week out and just knocks off all comers. He's got the complete game. He's won twice in 16 events. He's got five top tens and, and, and people need to start paying attention to this dude because he is a giant killer. And, and I think it won't be very long until he'll force down the door so hard that people will have to recognize him as one of the giants in the game because he comes in and no one thinks about him. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. He's, I believe he's top 10 in strokes gained as well, which is obviously a, a good measure. And that's sort of what I use. So I, I've got um, I've got Adam Scott as my mm, most yeah. underrated of the year. He's uh, fourth overall in strokes gained right now. And I think the reason he's be, he's kind of been underrated this year is because he hasn't won yet. And he's one of the few guys in the top – I think he might be the only guy uh, in the top 10, maybe Hideki as well, that uh, is top 10 in strokes game but hasn't won a tournament. And he's just, he's been playing so well. He was T18 at the Masters. He was T8 at the PGA. He was T7 at the U.S. Open, second at Memorial, uh, T7 at Riviera. We talk about, we talk about big-time courses and big-time events. He's been playing really well in all second at farmers insurance open. I mean, he, he's been, he's been having a really good year. T12 with the players. I mean, these numbers are are crazy and he's got, uh, he's only played 13 events. He's obviously somebody who doesn't, uh, he, you know, he doesn't play as full of a schedule as some guys, but he's got six top tens in those events. And I don't know. I've just, I've been impressed with what he's been able to do. I've been really impressed. He's 22nd on the PGA tour and putting right now, which mm-hmm. for somebody like him, if you're 22nd, you'd, you'd, normally say like what does he have like five wins you know and uh just the fact that he hasn't won again i think goes back to a little bit of luck um and and a little bit of bad luck Uh, but man i i don't know i think he's been playing great so far in 2019 well i'm buying you know deep down i'm a golf instructor and and i know i've been there when there's been success with top flight players and and by the same token i've been there with folks when things aren't going right and i know how hard it is to, for a player to turn the tide and to, to work their way out of a, a slump. Now, I use the term slump with a player of Adam Scott's skill lightly, you know, it's <laughs> to turn things around like he has and how Kuchar has. And that's a really big deal because, you know, back in the day, Paul Azinger said to me, he said, you know, Mark, when I was playing well, it felt like I would never play badly. Yeah. Yet when I was playing badly, it just felt like I would never play well again. And so for Adam Scott to navigate all these putter issues... He went back to his brother-in-law and, and coach, um, Brad Malone. They've turned things around. I mean, to your statistical observation, he is flushing it like he normally does. Yeah. And so I, I'm completely there. And, and, and I love the fact that you point him out because I'm falling prey to what you and I started this conversation with where <laughs> it's all about victories, you know, yeah, yeah. and things have got to go your way. So, so, yeah, I'm completely on board. Yeah, and that's what, that's what makes golf interesting, right? Every other sport you can play some sort of defense. Like you, you, you can in some way control what your competitors do, whether that's mm-hmm. tennis, whether that's soccer, baseball, football, whatever. And in golf, you can't. I mean, you, you can like try to take mental, you know, you can try to affect people psychologically. You can try to, you know, whatever, trash talk people. It's just, but it doesn't, it's not the same as in, in other sports. And that's why it just, it, it, I get super frustrated about like people only looking at, at wins and look, wins matter. I'm not saying that. I, I think mm-hmm. they definitely matter, but they just don't matter. I think as much as as um, as we think they do sometimes. Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely with you, man. Uh, 
and, and you never know. You know, if you think about it, it feels like the season's nearly at its end. I know. But it's the end of June, okay? Yeah, and there's so many big events out in front. And then, of course, you've got the fall portion of the series yeah. where there's some awesome events too. So there's a lot of golf left, man. And, and that Adam Scott, you know, obviously I'm, I'm international by birth, but now I'm an American citizen. There's a big event for the internationals at the end of the year down in Melbourne, the mm. President's Cup. Yeah. And Adam is going to be one of Ernie's, you know, tips of his spear. And so I look forward to him continuing the play. Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay. Uh, Let's get to this week's perfect finish brought to you by Amstel Light. And Mark, I have a very, very specific perfect finish uh, for this weekend that I would love to see at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Do you want me to go first? Or would yes, you like please. To... You go ahead. Okay, I'll go first. So last week we saw Zach Suker, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's correct. Uh, chip in on the 72nd hole at the Travelers Championship to finish T2. Obviously, people have probably seen the story. He earned... I think it was $686,000 uh, with that chip in by finishing T2. It's He's been cool. struggling. Oh, it's <laughs> awesome. So cool. Gets to pay off his credit card bills, all this stuff. Anyway, I think what went a little bit unnoticed, and, and Sean Martin and I talked about this on Monday uh, on, on the podcast a little bit, but he's currently at 126th, uh, I believe, in the FedEx Cup uh, standings. And mm -hmm. so for me, a perfect finish for this weekend I think he's only got uh, two starts left on his medical uh, exemption. And I think he's playing this and then maybe the John Deere. And uh, so he needs to get inside that top 125. So to me, a perfect finish to this weekend would just be uh, Zach Sucker finishing in the top 10 on Sunday, getting inside that top 125 in the FedEx Cup and somehow hanging on. Uh, until the end of the season. That'll be a difficult uh, task because, like you said, there's several events and several big events left. But uh, to me, that would be a really cool ending to what's been a, a really fun story. You know what? I'm not so sure I can top that because, um, you know, everyone should be a fan of a guy like Zach Zucker. I mean, the story, yeah. uh, it's... You think of the PGA Tour and all the fans watch the folks on TV and it's all about the glitterati and you watch them on social media and they're flying around the place in private jets and stuff. But, you know, that is a select few. And, and there are mm -hmm. a lot of players like Zach Zucker around who are working hard and, 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 and leveraging mortgages and stuff to keep the dream alive. And so what he did last week was so cool. I was there. I mean, I was I had tears in my eyes when he chipped in on the last one. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. It was. It was so cool. Um, but for me, the perfect finish... You know, nothing on the PGA Tour happens without sponsorship. And the PGA Tour do such a great job of sourcing new sponsors. And, of course, uh, Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage, they, they've come through in a big way. Um, so, for me, I think the perfect finish would be for Ricky Fowler to win the event. <laughs> and and then, then he must go in his, in, in his acceptance speech. You know, there's that commercial where the guy's interviewing and he goes, VOE this, POE that. What does yeah. it even mean, Rick? Yeah. I want Ricky to go easy as always, and then he just drops the mic. For me, I think that would be the ideal finish. Golf back in Detroit, their ambassador, their figurehead guy playing well, which will move the TV ratings. Yeah, he comes there, he wins. The crowds will go nuts. Uh, the sponsor will be over the moon. So I think that'll be uh, that'll be really that'll be the perfect finish for me. I just need the uh, the actor on that on that commercial <laughs> to, to do the interview. <laughs> yeah, to walk in and and hey hey Peter hey Amanda I got this one we're we're good here I'll I'll handle this one. I, I, I'm with you. Maybe I should let, shoot a text to one of the folks at CBS and say, "Can we work this year on the weekend?" <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, okay, 
Mark, we'll get you out of here on your pick. Is your is your pick Ricky as well, or are you going somewhere else? Um, I'm going somewhere else. Uh, I think Ricky will play well. He's been very consistent. Um, but I just have a feeling about Brant Snedeker. You know, he is a guy who's yeah. who puts Poenio greens really well, and they're, they're Poenio greens at this golf course. Um, and he's been playing pretty well leading into this event. Uh, yeah. He's he played very nicely down there, and uh, I should say up there in Canada. And so. The game is trending in the right direction. He's had a consistent season, and I just feel like a golf course, a Donald Ross place, will just sort of tickle his fancy. He's won at Sedgefield, which is a Donald Ross place. In fact, he shot 59 at Sedgefield, which is a Donald Ross place. And so he plays those sorts of courses as well. Pebble Beach is a similar sort of a feel. So I feel like Sneds brings it this week. Yeah, he's had a really good run. You know, he's somebody like a Billy Horschel, like a Kevin Kisner, who – I don't know. Like they can get lost kind of easily among the big mm-hmm. stars, but he's had three top twenties in his last five starts. Uh, he, he's he's had a good, uh, consistent twenty nineteen after, uh, you know, struggling at times with injury and, and different things over the last couple of years. So I like that. I like that pick. He he's one of the. I think he's thirty to one to win this week. So he's one of the, you know, top ten or twelve guys in terms of, of favorites. I'm gonna go with Fowler. I, I think that the. I'm with you. I think the the synergy from uh, <laughs> from the <laughs> Rocket Mortgage. I mean, it it would be too. It would be, and it would be even better if you you know the um like, let's say he wins. They go to commercial. They play the commercial, and then they come back with him. Uh, except, it, yeah, that'd be that'd be unbelievable. But no, you know he's he is so he's I think 18th right now in strokes gained on the PGA Tour. He. I don't think that's where he ends up. I think he settles and he's been settling more in like the 11, 12, 13 range. And so mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a little correction to, to the mean, so to speak of, of where he finishes the year. And if that's true, then that means he's going to have a good last few uh, months of the season. And I think he will. I think, I think the open championship has always been oh. the, the, the most likely uh, mm-hmm. major for him to win. I don't know if that'll happen or if he'll, you know, he almost won the masters last year, but I just, I don't know. I, I like the way the end of the season is setting up for him and, and think he, I think he has a big week this week in Detroit. No, I agree. You know, he's, he's real last time he really contended was done a PGA national for the Honda. And I think the time is ripe, you know, whenever you talk with him or whenever you watch him on social media, he talks of the fact that he's really happy with the golf swing. And the guy, I mean, his putting stroke to me just fell straight out of heaven. Yeah, and, it's so good. And, you know, if, if he's happy with the way he's swinging, he's going to make putts. And so, I mean, that ordinarily adds up to good things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Mark, uh, this was a blast. Uh, mm. what, 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 are you, what have you got going on this weekend? This weekend, I'll be honest with you, I've got a little family vacation. I'm going to be watching golf and television. And I love then back it. And it, back at it next week. It's awesome. It's great. Well, thanks for your time, and thanks for doing this, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. All right, Kyle. Take care. All right. Thanks, Mark.